I'm Kevin Bachman. On this episode of Background Check Radio, you'll hear a podcast I did last week with Scott Kimball of Tazworks and my iCubed partner, Jason Morris. We did a very independent, agnostic view of whether it's the right decision to build your own technology solution or buy off the shelf from one of the seven or eight providers in our space. Had a lot of fun with that conversation, really approached it from all angles. And at the end of the day, there's no right or wrong answer. It's really what's in your heart, what's in your vision for you and your company. So enjoy. It's about a 60-minute podcast, and I'm sure you'll have a ton of fun listening to it. Stick around. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Kevin Bachman, and uh, I am not Nick Fishman today, although I am logged in under his account. So uh, he usually runs our webinars. Today, I'm joined by Jason Morris and Scott Kimball at Tazworks. Uh, as the attendees start to pour in, we're going to give everybody a minute to get settled, get coffee or tea, and then we're going to get rocking and rolling in a second. Speaking of rocking and rolling, um, I know this isn't the uh, time for this, but I am absolutely reading one of the best books I've read in a long time uh, by Dave Grohl. Uh, highly recommend it for you music fans out there. And that was the book you were reading um, when I made the Facebook comment about you reading a book with a picture of you on the yes. back cover, right? Yep. Uh, if you're friends with Jason uh, or, or I on Facebook, uh, take a look at that because it is a <laughs> absolute spitting image. <laughs> um, and as everybody starts to, to roll in, this is usually a time we talk about books that we like. Um, we make fun of each other. Again, we usually make fun of Nick, but, but he's not <laughs> with us today. Um, I, I liked our conversation last time about books that we were reading, Jason, um, two weeks ago when we did our last webinar because we got a lot of comments in the chat. Mm -hmm. um, as well as people kind of pinging us afterwards for thoughts and, and, and listen, we're just, we're just a couple guys here. So we're looking for your advice on, on books to read as, as much as ours. So if you have anything that you're reading that you think is, is great these days, uh, drop it in the chat as well as any questions that you may have and want us, want us to cover today. Um, <clears throat> I'm always a big fan of um, recommending people read Scott Galloway. He's written two books. Um, that, that I've plowed through in the last year. Uh, one is called The Four, the other is called Post-Corona. And it really kind of looks at um, how technology, business, media intersect as, as we hit 2022. And The Four are four companies, Amazon, Apple, Google, and Facebook. Uh, their impact on the world, their impact on how we consume, how we do business with each other, et cetera. So um, Scott Galloway is, is, um, is always my guy that, that I recommend. Uh, Jason, why don't you run through a couple that, that you're working on? Uh, I just we talked about last a, week. I just finished a book called The Secret of Sandhill Drive, all about uh, venture capital and how to raise money for a startup, uh, which was fantastic. And I am currently reading uh, Dave Grohl Storytellers. And as Dave Grohl says in the beginning of the book, he thinks of his entire life and moments he had in music and his musical career. And he starts out as a kid and goes through touring with an unknown band to landing a job with Nirvana. Um, and and oh, the book cool. is, is it's, it's several different stories about his growth with the band. And it's, it's really fantastic. Awesome. Scott, something we didn't talk about during our prep, but not to put you on the spot, anything you're reading these days. Just finished a book called factfulness. That is a fascinating read about how we interpret the world and, uh, you know, for all the doom and gloom that's served to us, things are actually going pretty well overall, uh, which doesn't mean that everything is perfect by any stretch, but both can be true, right? We can be improving yeah. and have things uh, that still need to improve. So that's really good to read. Factfulness, I just started a book called 4,000 Weeks that uh, I guess I'm of the age to have a midlife crisis. So it's talking about <laughs> how, do we, how do we value our time? What do we do? Very cool, very cool. Well, so. th thanks for sharing. If, uh, if the webinar was pointed over there in the corner of my office, you would see a stack of about 15 books that I picked up. And anytime the kids want to give me a birthday present or a Christmas present, I just tell my wife, go grab a book out of the stack. Um, you know, and, and that also helps because you know, we have an eight-year-old and 11-year-old trying to teach them the love of reading. Um, all right, so we're about one minute after the hour. Let's get started. Really happy to have Scott Kimball here with us from Taz Works. Uh, this is something 
both as a concept and, and with our friends over at TAS, we've been talking about for some time, really having a down-to-earth, agnostic, independent conversation on what is really, I, I, I think, a very um, uh, fundamental from the heart choice each business needs to make on their technology solution. Do they build their own? Do they buy one off the platform? What goes into it? The pros and cons of each option. There are pros and cons of each option. And we're going to talk about them today. Um, but of course, joined as always, my partner in crime, Jason Morris and Scott from TAS. Scott, you want to give uh, our audience um, uh, the Scott story and, and the work you're doing at TAS today? You bet. So Scott Kimball, uh, formerly with TASWorks, now with TASWorks, a Meridian Link company. Uh, been with the company almost uh, 20 years uh, since its inception. Uh, so I guess that gives me a little bit of uh, maybe life experience or credibility to speak to this because uh, I've lived the experience all the way from deciding to build to that turning into a buy uh, business. And we've learned a lot of lessons along the way and you know, seen, seen a lot of things in this industry. So I'm excited to be able to, you know, talk about some of that and decisions people ought to be thinking or things people ought to be looking at uh, when they're making decisions. That's awesome. Thank you. And, and, and Jason, uh, give the audience um, a little update on the things we're working on these days. Yeah. So uh, as if you don't know, uh, iCube Advisory is a culmination of uh, the three of us, me, Kevin and Nick, uh, that had were separately kind of doing consulting, but uh, we're really kind of doing it together at the same time and decided to kind of form uh, iCubed last year in order to do it all through the same venue. Um, and we're a full service uh, advisory and consulting firm. Uh, we do everything from consulting. We do a lot of recruiting. We've placed a lot of the key positions in this industry over the last two years. Um, we do a, a quite a bit of M&A consulting. So when there are deals uh, on the table in the industry, we're usually called in uh, to help out with those, whether it's on the buyer side or the seller side and another multi, uh, other uh, various uh, services that we offer that you can see on our website. Thank you. All right. Well, let's, let's dive into what we're going to do today. Um, we're going to talk about, and I had this as a slide on our webinar a couple of weeks ago, and I kept it there because I think it's, you know, when, when we talk about, I said before, the choice you're making on your technology solution, it comes from your heart. It really speaks to the vision you have as a company. I wanted to keep that because I do think there's kind of four different kinds of companies in our industry. And where you slot inside of those choices helps determine um, how, how, you, how you choose a solution for you. So I'm going to spend a minute running through that. Uh, and again, this is independent and it's agnostic. Um, what are the pros and cons of building? What are the pros and cons of, of buying? I think we're going to have some, some nice granular um, stories and examples that, uh, to, to share with you guys on that. Building your empire, a lot of different ways. Um, it's not just um, going out, outbound leads, outbound sales. That's the only way to build a business and increase revenue. There's a lot of different ways to do it. A lot of things impact the profit and loss uh, capabilities of your organization. How do you make those choices inside of the technology solution that works for you? And then M&A, right? We've already seen a question come in on the chat. Uh, what is more appealing to buyers? Having a platform, working off of, of uh, having your own platform or working off of a system that other CRAs use? Which one will get you a bigger check when you go to sell? Uh, the answer could be both, right? It's very, uh, it's very um, um, specific to the situation you're in and what kind of shop that you're at. Um, so I'm going to take a minute and, and let everybody read this again. If, if you were on our webinar a couple of weeks ago, you've seen this already. Um, we know the publicly traded companies. There's five in our space right now. Um, we have uh, Equifax on the provider side. We have Meridian Link and Tazworks on the platform side. And then we have three CRAs that have gone public in the last year, Higher Rights, Sterling, and First Advantage. Then we have that middle market. That middle market is getting hollowed out through M&A activity. Um, we have startups, though. Startups are trying to get a, get a seat at the, the big boy table. That's kind of cool to hear some of the things that they're interested in trying to do and how they're disrupting the market. And then we have small players. Um, Jason and I are tracking, and, and Nick, uh, a couple hundred companies in our space. We stopped at 400 of them. Why? That's just when we said we, we have enough the long tail of really small companies uh, in our space kind of goes along forever. Um, Jason, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop right here and kind of ask you a question, right? Because 
we, we have a number of people here that are sitting in chairs that we used to sit in. They're operating a CRA, they're looking at technology solutions, they're listening to feedback from current clients, prospects, et cetera, and, and they continue to have to make these choices around their technology. Spend a couple of minutes and tell our story. How did we, how did we tackle this stuff over the years? Yeah, so it's, it's, it was an easier question to answer later down the road of operating the business than it was in the beginning, because uh, you could ask yourself that question of, do I want to continue being a background screening company or do I want to be a technology company that does background screening? And that's an easy answer. That's an easy question to answer, easier question to answer once you've operated your business for some time. But in the beginning, uh, like most of you, I had, I had no idea who we were um, and what we wanted to do and what we wanted to be. Because at that time, background screening was very, very new. Uh, this was 1999. Uh, Off-the-shelf systems were just starting to uh, be created. Um, and most of us in the industry were doing everything very manually. Um, I still can picture the, the mailboxes, the slot boxes we had on everybody's desk that would uh, manually walk the background check from step to step through that box. And then people pull out the, uh, the, the packet in order to work on their part of the file. And it was, a, it was an incredibly manual process. And then we got introduced to a system that we really couldn't afford. It was like fifteen or $20,000 of being a system on that would take everything that we're currently doing and automate it, if you can call what they were doing back then automation. Um, and, but we, we did it and we, we were able to grow our business effectively for the first couple of years, uh, tailoring our process and our business around the platform that we had brought on. So it wasn't a, it wasn't like now where you want all the flexibility in the world uh, to be able to operate your system like your business operates. Back then, we were all new at it. So it was really operating your business based on what the software allowed you to do. But then like every business owner, you know, you had that discussion and that mental journey of, well, if I want to be here, um, do I need to hire a bunch of programmers or go to a, a, some sort of a, um, software company? And, and have them, uh, you know, design something for us. And I remember the first conversation that we had, I went to the company that had built our website, which again, 1999 or 2000, even, you know, websites were fairly new. Um, and I met with the CEO of the company and I said, you know, you just did our website and now we need a system that runs and automates all of our background checks. And, he, and I said, how much would that cost? And he goes, well, you haven't told me anything. What do you need it to do? And I'm like, I don't know, I have no idea. Um, so he's like, well, why don't you take the next couple of months or a year and really start, you know, writing down all the things that the system does and maybe defining some of those use cases. And then we can come up with, um, you know, what we could possibly do for you. Well, that never happened because 9-11 hit and the industry just kind of went like this and we didn't have time to think about new systems. Um, but every 24 to 36 months, you know, we put the, we put the executive team together and we'd say, is it time to do this now? And the, the, the question that I mentioned earlier, what do we want to be in this universe? Do we want to be a background screening company that has technology or do we want to be a technology company that does background screening? And the answer, and Kevin, remind, remind me if I'm wrong, but I think 100% of the time was we want to be a background screening company. And I, we just really don't see um, at, at our current growth rate and where we were the benefit of, of building a system. Now, we kicked ourselves in the ass many times for coming to that conclusion along the way when there's things that we couldn't do that we thought we could do with our own system. Um, but we felt pretty good about that decision. Now, fast forward, um, and it's, it, I'm only bringing this up because I just recently had this conversation um, uh, with a former uh, CEO and founder of a very, very large CRA who in 2008 tried to buy us. Um, and I, I remember sitting in his office and he's like, you know, we're spending four or $5 million a year on our software development. And we don't believe that you can make it anywhere in this business, uh, without doing the same. And we respectfully disagreed. Um, we didn't end up doing a deal with them. And just last month, he's like, you know, he's like all the deals that we did and all the deals that I've seen in this industry, owning your own system creates very little value for your business. Um, so I, I felt pretty good about the decision that we made. I still do. Um, and if I was to do it all over again, knowing the path that we would take and the exit we would have, I'd probably do it the same. However, if I was going to start a new CRA today and 
strive to do things completely differently and throw some disruption into the industry and really create new ways of doing things, then the answer would be different because at this point, um, I want to change, I would want to change the industry uh, it, for the better and do things a little bit differently. So I guess timing, timing matters, uh, budget matters, uh, your, your overall plan for the company matters. If you never plan on selling the business or if you plan on selling your business or you plan on buying other businesses, um, you know, that's a question that you need to ask yourself. And one of the things we talked about earlier, and sorry about rambling, um, is if M&A is in your strategy, whether you want to be a company that, that buys other CRAs or eventually you want to sell, I would tell you that being on a platform and going after companies on the same platform for M&A is a great strategy um, and, and a whole lot easier than going from one system to another. So I'll pause there for a second. And, and Kevin, if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, that's, that, that's a great share. And in about three or four minutes, Jason just ran through about 12 of our slides, um, which, which is good, <laughs> <Sorry>. right? <laughs> Thank no, you for it's, joining. It's, it's, and, and we wrote, and, and it'll, it'll, it'll be distributed um, you know, to attendees here, obviously. We wrote an ebook um, in collaboration with Tazworks and Meridian Link on this topic. And, and I'll say, we kind of talked about this behind the scenes. That was a hard ebook to write. This was a hard webinar to prepare for, because as you just heard Jason say, you can literally talk 360 degrees on this topic, and you're, it, it still really comes back to your own personal choice. So a lot of times, whether it's a webinar, a podcast, or whatever, you know, we got a pretty clear vision on what's right or wrong or shared experiences, challenges, et cetera. And it's not difficult, you know, with, with us having 20 years in the space to kind of look out and see, okay, this is a path that's going to be productive. This is a path that's going to be profitable. This one, probably stay away. Um, this is not one of them. It, it really isn't. So Scott, what, what are some of your thoughts on, on what Jason and I chimed in on? I think what's, what's fascinating is, right, if you think what the kind of questions and, and concepts that Jason just touched on, none of them were you know, do I need, do I need my system to do X or Y? Like, you know, should I build my own because I want this little feature or this widget, right? It was broad questions around as a company, what do we want our identity to be? What, what are we going to, what segment are we going to service? How are we going to grow this company? Right. And those are the broad, important questions to answer that drive this. So it's not, you know, a feature to feature comparison of like, ah, nothing off the shelf quite has the right color scheme or the right widget that, that does this thing. Right. I mean, those are kind of like the details that that do matter, but, but when you're making the decision, right, it's, it's much bigger than just, you know, kind of a feature set comparison. It's where are we going? What do we want to do? What's our roadmap as a company and our identity as a company? And that's really what you need to answer and decide. And then that, you know, the, the platform that you want, that you're on, whether you buy that or build it is a follow on as to how do we achieve that vision of, of where we're going to go and who we're going to become. I, um, you, you said a word twice there, Scott, and I liked it the first time I heard it. I'm like, because my word was choice. I'm like, choice is a pretty good word, right? That's an apt description. And then I hear you say identity. And I'm like, that's exactly what it is. Yep. Um, and Jason, as I look through this, and I didn't design this slide with this in mind, but you know, from startup to small player to mid-market and then being purchased by, by a company that eventually went public, you know, that's us. Um, that's that journey. And, and, and Scott, I'm, I'm sure you see people um, that kind of ride on that journey as well as, as they build their business, whether they're with you or they're not with you, just by being mm -hmm. in Absolutely. the industry. So um, Jason, can you do me a favor yeah, and, and handle like the Q&A, yeah. call out things, interrupt, uh, throw a yep. question out there. I've seen a couple come in and a hand raised, but I'm sharing my screen. So I don't want to distract the viewer um, by yep. doing it myself. So I, I appreciate that. Okay. So, right. We're hitting this from both sides. Why are we building? What are the values of building? Um, back to Scott's comments around identity, and you know, let's let's take a couple seconds and 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 read through this. Well, I, I can give you I can give you a perfect yeah. scenario of a company that would want to build their own software. Okay, um, I am a well capitalized CRA, which means that I've got investors, whatever the the, the motive or the reason that I have the investment in the business, I've got money. Um, and my goal is to take that business and, and create a platform where I am going to buy other businesses and bring them onto my platform. That's what a private equity calls a platform business. Um, 
if I'm striving to be a platform business and do a lot of growth through M&A, I would build myself a system that makes that happen. That is easy for uh, Taz, Osseo, FRS, or other home-built systems to easily upgrade to my system. That's a perfect scenario uh, for a, a new CRA or an existing CRA with an M&A strategy to build their own system. There's others. Uh, there's other reasons and other 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 uh, thoughts behind it, but that would be uh, Jason Moore starting a CRA tomorrow, and I wanted to do do it that way. That's what I would do. Um, can I do it being on an off the shelf platform and doing that same M and A strategy? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it, it's happened. Um, there's there's been many roll ups within uh, the platform or with the uh, off the shelf companies, um, and they've been successful. Um, but I would tailor a system to just be able to do those upgrades. And as I, you know, I'm looking at the fourth, I, I didn't bullet point these, but I'm looking at the fourth thing specifically, right? Um, buyer, buyer demands. Um, I think typically we think of that as large CRAs, um, but that might not always be the case. That could just be, you know, you're a $5 million CRA, but you've got a million dollar client. You're a million dollar client saying, I want it this way. Um, so I think we're starting to see, and, and Scott, I'm interested in, in your take on this. Um, shops that are doing both, right? You know, I, I, I and, and that's not necessarily an easier way to run the business, but um, dual platform shops is, is not the rarity that I think, you know, it might've been 10 or 20 years ago. What, what, what's kind of your take, Scott, not only on that, but what, what you see here, you know, the virtues of building. Yeah, I think I think I think you're spot on. It really is again addressing the needs of of what is the market or where the what is the client base that we're we're looking at. Um, I think the important thing there is really kind of our our second bullet point that says you're comfortable being a technology company because that is fundamentally different than being a screening company, um, right? Those of you who are familiar with Barton Taylor, right, who was you know co-founder of Tazworks uh, with me along in the day. Right, he came from from the CRA business, and that was his mindset for years and years. And um, you know, it took a long. Time. I remember the first time when he finally, you know, one of one of uh, the CRAs had called and asked for a feature or something, and he made a comment to me about like, yeah, they just don't understand how difficult this is, or you know, how much is more, how much goes on behind the button, right, that they're asking us to implement. And it just warmed my heart that he had finally kind of completed this journey to understand that uh, you know technology is, is different, but. I think if, if you're of a mindset to do that, and whether that's you know building your own or, or running a couple couple different platforms, right? There's some, some efficiencies um, that you need to be, uh, you know, impacts on efficiency or, or organizationally, right? Because you have to have teams that are familiar with the different platforms or you kind of own that, that training. Um, but if you're saying, hey, we've got end users and this, you know, we're going after this segment and those needs and, and we're comfortable doing that, especially like Jason said, and we've got the, you know, the financing to, to support that, that can make a lot of sense. Um, and I think, you know, bullet point three as well, right? If, if, if you're saying, hey, we've got a couple of partners and we're going to go all in with these partners and, you know, so whether it's our million dollar client or it's some ATS systems or something, and that's really uh, kind of this market, we're going to go after that and corner that and just really, um, you know, engineer the heck out of that and, and address every need and, and concern in there so that we are the de facto standard for that. Um, you know, that makes a lot of sense versus a, a CRA that maybe is saying, hey, we're going to be, you know, take a more broad look and be uh, more of a jack of all trades to, to everybody. So again, it's that, that identity of saying, hey, if we're, if we're focused on something, we're going to build something that, that scratches that specific itch. I'm, I'm glad you, you touched on the ATS partnerships, Scott, because as I look at this, if, if, if I'm someone watching right now thinking that, well, I'm, I'm on a buy platform, I look at this and I'm like, well, I want deep ATS partnerships. I want to develop and nurture relationships. Um, I, I think you, you, you kind of split the difference really well there, because if we think of it like the 80-20 rule, right? 20% of, of ATS volume comes from 80% of the ATSs. You know, you just kind of described a strategy that said, you and us, like we're together. And I'm not going to do necessarily 80 of them, but it's like, okay, these are my like three or four partners and let's really get deep into each other's business. Um, and, and, and I think that's, that's maybe more applicable of, of that kind of model. Um, 
Yeah. Jason, when we think of, oh, I'm sorry, Scott, go ahead. No, I just agreeing with you. I think I was agreeing, not disagreeing. Got it. Um, you know, I think it's, it's that kind of all in, let's really solve hundred percent of, of the problem there. And that if you've got the expertise and the know-how and, and can corner that market, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because a platform might have ATS relationships with, you know, dozens, but if that's not my client base, that's not my marketing strategy. Um, you know, for a variety of reasons, right? That ATS isn't a fit for me. doesn't matter that you have, you know, 50. I, I kind of only need five. Um, Jason, when, when we think of the investment dollars, you used an example, you know, from, from 10 or 15 years ago when, when you shared that story. Can you kind of frame what that dollar amount looks like on a, so on that's, a build that's, model? That's really hard to do. And here's why it's really hard to do. Um, because, you know, I could tell you it's going to cost you $2 million from start to finish to build your own system. But in reality, that's assuming that you're going to do it right um, the first time, which nobody ever does. Um, that's assuming that um, you are going to eventually lock in your feature set that you want to release on this brand new system, which is going to take you two years to build. And then the minute you release it, you've got now two years of things that people have been asking you for that you got to now build again. Um, so, you know, the ongoing costs of doing something like that can be double or triple of what you imagine they are. However, lots of companies don't care. You know, they're well capitalized. Like I said, you, you go to VCs with a great idea, they're going to finance you in a way that you can do that and make those mistakes and, 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 and succeed from that point. If you're going to bootstrap it, you're probably going to do it wrong. Um, so, you know, I just think it, it's very important to look at a timeline, uh, look at your MVP that you're going to release uh, at, at a certain date, uh, understand what that fulfills, understand what kind of savings you realize from not using another system to having your own. Um, these are all questions and journeys that you kind of need to go on yourself with your teams to be able to answer before you can even be close to making a decision like that. Yeah, that's the... Um, yeah, just and, and tagging on to that, you know, there's a company uh, out of uh, Canada that's well, well capitalized uh, called Certain. Um, they've, they've just raised a bunch of money and they're automating every process, everything they can possibly automate because they are a software company that does background. I mean, they're really figuring out the automation behind background screening and building for them is, is a great, great idea because they can do the things they want to do. Yeah. And, and not to jump too far ahead, but when we talk about processes, what can you do? What can't you do? What do you want to do? What don't you want to do? You know, the idea of, well, I'm going to rip that search open and double check that the MVR traced. Well, yeah. not in our system. You're not because <laughs> we're, because we've made a choice to not do that, or we've made a choice to do that, et cetera. Um, and I, I, I really, I really like building systems also because if you're in a situation where you want, to, let me take a step back. The front end of your system that the clients use to log in, check their background checks, order background checks, like that is so inconsequential in today's world um, that your your customers wouldn't care. When I say all of them, I mean most of your customers wouldn't care if they're on one system today, another system tomorrow, as long as they can order their background check, they might complain about it a little bit, but at the end of the day, that's the easy part. Front and your larger clients are doing it through their integration anyways. Right. So the front end is so vanilla. If you're a process guy, you know, you, you're starting this business because maybe you worked in HR or you worked for a background screening company and you're like, I can do this better. I've got these ideas in my head of how I want to automate doing a crim search and I want to automate adjudication and I want to do all these different things. Um, that's what I would build. You know, I would build my dream of having a automated system like that. But you, again, you got to be capitalized in a way where you can make a ton of mistakes um, and, and be able to, you know, rebuild from, from, you know, pieces of it from the ground up when you find out that you just didn't do it right or it wasn't done right or doesn't fulfill the need that you thought it would fulfill. Yeah. And I have ex extreme empathy for the, for the Scots of the world on the, on the platform side, because I mean, at best you have, half of your client base that asks for something that is completely opposite of the other half of your client base. Um, not only considering, well, this client's more valuable, this client's less valuable. It's, um, um, you know, I, I, I imagine sometimes it's, it's difficult to play traffic cop um, with your client base. Yep. 
Okay, let's flip it. Let's flip it on your head. Why do we buy? Okay. So I love, I mean, number one, a number one for me is the mind share. Um, the mind share among like-minded companies that are using the same system that I didn't have to invent the wheel um, or reinvent the wheel over and over again. Um, I truly believe that that is the number one uh, reason that uh, you would buy a system or, or you know, license a system. I love your uh, that mind shares. <laughs> That mind share is, is absolutely invaluable. Um, the, the fact that you can talk to or, or just collaborate without even trying to collaborate, just through your platform, uh, collaborate with other users to find better ways of doing things. Nothing beats that. You can't, you can't buy that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. The, the value of the, of the mind share. Um, I came up with this, this phrase um, the other day, speed of the lead. You know, my, my ATS strategy, well, it, it's transactional from the idea that, you know, the salesperson, and if you're on a platform, you absolutely know what I'm, what I'm saying. This comes to you all the time. You have a salesperson that says, I talked to John at XYZ company, and here's their volume and blah, blah, blah. Here's the package they want to order. But, but this is their ATS and, and can we do it? Um, and, you know, Scott, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but I think the plug and play solutions on a platform side um, is, is easier than if it's your own system and you're, you know, calling 1-800-ATS and you're trying to establish a relationship with the developer who's, who's, who's going to uh, build to you. Absolutely. I mean, there's, you know, I think um, you look at just the name recognition or if you're, if you're buying a system off the shelf, right. They, they've, uh, right. You look at the big players in the market. We've all been around for a long time. We've got those relationships. Uh, at least when we call somebody up, generally they'll answer the phone. They, they kind of know our name. Uh, they're still going through all the biz dev and figuring out, you know, are they willing to play with us and work and that not. But I remember in the early days, right, we used to try and call people up and we we'd wind up getting restraining orders and stuff because they're like, who are you? Stop bothering me. I don't want to talk to you. You know, Taz, what? Um and so I think, you know, that's a, that's a huge, huge piece of it. Um, and the other thing that's really kind of a follow on from Jason's comments on the, on the build side is really that timeline against the speed of the lead, not only just with ATSs, but just around, um, you know, the, the features in the system overall, right? Um, building a single feature uh, is something that can be done quickly. And I think sometimes we've got this mindset that says, hey, I can, uh, I've got a sister-in-law that went to code school and she says she can build me this thing you know, super fast, I'm just going to build my system. Uh, and that first thing goes pretty well. The second thing slows down a little bit as, as the complexity of the system grows, right? It becomes more and more difficult and time consuming uh, to, to build that and to, to, you know, configure it and make things work. And so I think uh, that's an argument on the buy side of saying, hey, you've got a system that's built to, you know, I can call up, I can call up this morning, I can sign a contract this afternoon. And by tomorrow morning, I could be up and running you know, and, and having traffic running through my system and, and in business um, versus saying, yeah, I'm going to two years from now, I hope to launch a platform that, that's going to do what I need it to do. Yeah. And a lot of those headaches, you're, you're just, you're, you're passing on to somebody else, the hiring of, of, of the programmers and, you know, all that stuff you're passing off to a different company. And that couldn't be more critical than it is in today's market. I, you know, Kevin and I do quite a bit of, uh, of recruiting and, you know, we've got open recs for programmer positions for companies that are going to probably stay open for a long time. I was just I was just told by somebody in the industry or in the uh, IT industry that there are three hundred and fifty thousand open .NET programming positions right now. There are three hundred and fifty thousand positions of, uh, that you have to compete with that are open for the stuff that you need to build your system. Um, that's a pretty scary number that the skill set just isn't there right now in, in mass for, uh, for companies to be able to just hire mass programmers. Yeah, that, that was a really interesting number when you told me that the other day, Jason and right. Cause on the webinar, we talked, um, a couple of weeks ago and I had said, you know, there's over 1000 open positions just at CRAs. And when we think of attracting talent, we think, okay, you know, where do people want to work? What's a sexy industry for them? And on the development side, I'd heard someone say, well, what's, what's most important to developers is um, the, the challenge, the actual work that they're doing. And I do buy that, I, I, like I do. 
Um, but I still kind of come back to is, is this a sexy space that, you know, that programmers want to, want to work at? Um, and we see this at, we see this, um, with M and A activity sometimes, you know, if, if the culture isn't right at the shop that bought the other CRA, like the programmers, they can go do this anywhere. Um, and that can kind of create a, um, you know, a, a significant hole in, in your organization. Yep. Um, yeah, and I guess I, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm thinking I should be offended that you just called me not sexy there. I think. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> the other thing I, I want to touch on is kind of on, on bullet point four there, where we say the, you know, the buyers want results. They don't care what it looks like under the hood. Um, what they, what they care about, right, when, when you look at end users and really the CRAs is they want the system to work. And there's a lot of expectations around that that, that don't factor in, right? I want my system to be up, right? I expect it to be there and to not crash. Uh, if I onboard a new giant client, I expect it to, to, to work. I, you know, I expect it to scale. I expect it to be secure so that when the next, um, you know, malware or ransomware or, you know, the log4j thing, the Everybody ran through that fire drill a few months ago, right? Most people on this call probably have no clue what log4j is, yet it's this no piece clue. of code that's used in huge, you know, 30, 40% of the internet. And suddenly that turned into this huge exploit fire drill of like, we got to go fix that. We got to see where it's used. We got to patch it. We got to get it out of there, right? So there's all this security and availability and scalability concerns of a system that are just assumed to be there. And if you're buying, you get a technology company that, should be investing in that and and saying, hey, this this thing is enterprise quality. It's gonna it's gonna up and run, um, you know. Versus if you're building it, you own all that, right? There's nobody to call and complain. It's like, oh, hey, we got to make sure we've got this thing secured. We've got to make sure we can sign off on all the security RFPs, right? Every time um, anybody signs up a client of any size anymore, there's this huge questionnaire that says, do you do all this technology stuff and all this security stuff? Right. And, and buying is, if you don't want to deal with all that and you just want somebody that says, yeah, we do that. Buying is a great way to get that, you know, check that box. Yeah. It always surprises me when I see uh, companies that have off the or that have built their own systems that are like, you know, we just got our SOC 2 compliance or we got this kind of uh, ISO certification because we, we, we want to make sure that our clients know that we're secure. Like that is such an expectation nowadays. Like I can't believe the people even tout it. Like, of course you should have those things. Like, just like you should have a front door to your house. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I have a question though for you, Scott. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot, but one of the, one of the biggest um, reasons it employs Screen IQ, why we kept thinking about just building our own system is because we do want to be beholden to somebody else. What happens if your company goes out of business? What happens if something major happens at your business? How do you answer that question when people ask it to you? I mean, I think it's an absolutely fair question. I think, you know, particularly in the early years when we were a smaller company or, or maybe people questioned the viability of, of the company, uh, that was a more fair ask. I think uh, now as people ask, right, we'd say, hey, we're part of a, a publicly traded company. We're, you know, we've got investors, we've got equity money in, in Meridian Link. You know, so, so from this position, we're well-funded. We've got a company that's bought us, that wants to grow us and, and is investing in the business. We're going to be around for a long time. Right. That's, you know, we're here to be partners. We're here to provide services and, and we're going to be here as long as you're going to be here. Um, and I think that is a certainly an important question, right? If somebody says, hey, um, you know, as they're considering to buy, they ought to be looking at some of that around the, the buy. You know, is this a stable company? You know, what's going on? Are they are they going to be here tomorrow? Um, and I think, you know, having talking both sides of the fence a little bit, right? When, when uh, around the, the M&A activity or, or sometimes even with some of the big, uh, big end users will come and say, hey, you know, I see that you're using a, you know, a third party platform. You don't have control over that. You know, that gives us some pause because now there's a third party that's getting our, our private data or whatnot. Um, but again, I think, right, people can answer that and say, hey, we also didn't write our own email system. We didn't write our own word processor, right? We use this off the shelf stuff because it makes a lot of sense. And there's people that are thinking about this and building stuff that are going to be around and support it. Uh, and, and we choose to focus on being an excellent background screening company. And part of that is we chose a really good platform and, and, and now we can meet your needs as, as the, the screening provider and kind of focus on that. 
Jason, that was, that was such a great question. Um, and you know, when, when we do our webinars, we talk about how we intentionally don't prep um, or do too much scripting because when you do it, it removes that, that organic conversation. So I didn't know Jason was going to say that about the stability of the platform. And when he did, all of these nightmares and flashbacks just came flooding in and things that I haven't thought about for years. But, but boy, are you right when, when you say this, the stability, the financial backing of, of, your, of your partner. Um, that was for 15 years a significant worry of ours. And, and I almost kind of compare it to like the buy, the buy side, or excuse me, the build side, when you worry about your development team and just the, you yeah. know, are they going to leave? Are they going to go somewhere else? I mean, that, that worry is on, on equal, if not more footing. Um, so thank you for sharing that and, you know, middle finger for, for bringing all of those, uh, all those bad memories back. <laughs> well, we do, so we do have like four questions, but I think we should wait until the end to start going okay. through some of these questions and tear okay. through this. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I mentioned at the top, I said, there's a bunch of different ways to build your empire guys. It is not all cold calling and, and, you know, logos and just, if I sell more of that $20 starter package, you know, I'm going to be sitting on a beach in, in 10 years, um, products, partners, clients, integrations, processes. So when we think about the build versus the buy, and I guess I'm going to wrap this up and just open the floor to you guys on, on questions um, or, or for comments. Like these are things that, that, that really matter. Um, I said a minute ago, cracking open the MVR to make sure that it's traced. And it's, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell a story from, from years ago, right? I used to feel really, really passionately that we should crack open MVRs to make sure that it's traced. Spent two hours a day of labor for a staff member to really do nothing other than that. You add that up, you know, that's, I don't know, $15,000 a year or something you're spending to make sure MVRs trace. You know what percent of MVRs trace? Like 99.5%. And one day we just said, you know what, we're going to stop doing it. And then we're going to listen. And we're going to see, okay, um, is the phone ringing? Are we getting emails about this? And we didn't. So we just made $15,000. But that's the kind of really granular operational thing that you should look at. Um, when you're when you're developing or, or deciding on your technology solutions, I, I think growth, and I think uh, Brian mentioned it earlier. Uh, maybe not with these words, but you know, being able to scale your business is the most important thing. Once you start running your business, um, there's no point in starting a business that you can't grow. Um, and if your HR and your IT and your operations and all these other parts of your business, including your system can't grow along with your business, then you fail. So, you know, having a, a, a system, and, and, and this could be an argument for both buying and, and building, the architecture, uh, the, the server array that you have, have in mind, whether it's AWS or something in-house or whatever, like having the people that know how to be able to scale um, that piece of software is, is paramount to your business succeeding. Scott, how often do you get what, what we always call, we call Wibbons? Um, and shout out to Andy Cashman. He is the original coiner of the phrase. That is not ours. Wibbon, wouldn't it be nice? How often do you get Wibbons from your clients and kind of what do you do about them? Well, right, I mean, we get them constantly um, and, and we consider them, right? And it's the, the challenge is balancing that, that stream of input because one of the strengths um, as was mentioned earlier, right, is, is there is this, this sense of community voice or, or excellence that comes from being on a platform where we have lots of input coming from lots of CRAs. Um, and, and we would love to be able to implement, you know, all of those or, or respond to that. But what it does is it allows us, one, to kind of take the temperature of like, hey, is this, you know, hey, we're hearing the same or, or substantially the same request from lots of different players. This is clearly something that's important across the industry and let's, you know, allows us to focus on that. Um, and, and it also allows us to help, you know, different CRAs as, as they, uh, you know, look to, look to grow their business and kind of meet those different needs. Uh, but it's definitely, a, you know, kind of a return on investment type strategy where uh, if you're relying on a platform, a lot of those wouldn't it be nice or may not be, you know, implemented soon, if ever. Whereas if it's your own and you say, hey, wouldn't it be nice if it did X, Y, Z, you know, assuming you, you can turn your roadmap and you control that, then, then you yeah. can build that thing. 
And we're going to talk about right. that in a minute. So, I mean, yep. Um, yeah. And, and, and this is, you know, when, when at the beginning of the call, right, my word is choice. Um, Scott's word is identity. Um, Jason, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on kind of the, the correlation between taking an investment and does that, does that kind of correlate with, with a, a desire to kind of build your own, right? But as, as, as we move from just that idea to the specifics, here are half a dozen specifics that are really, really important when you're making that choice. And I, I told, you know, Jason and Scott before, before when we were doing our prep, you know, we really have transitions in three different ways. One way is, okay, I'm on an off-the-shelf platform. I'm going to buy my own. That's, transi- that's transition number one. Transition number two is I have my own platform and I don't want to be in this game anymore. I'm going to go buy something off the shelf. And the third is I'm on a platform and I'm just going to go to another off-the-shelf platform. So three different ways, but kind of those same half a dozen questions. Well, you, you, can't, do any, you can't do any of those unless you do it. I mean, here's how... Here's, uh, Hope I'm not violating anything here, but you know when we sold our business to I'll Sterling, edit it out. <laughs> when we sold podcast. our business to Sterling, you know our biggest concern was you know client loss um, and how are our clients going to react to uh, switching from one system to the other? And th- the answer from the executives at Sterling was, "We're not transitioning them; we're upgrading them." And so, in any of these scenarios, whether you are going from your own to off the shelf, going from off the shelf to your own, or going from one off the shelf to another off the shelf. If it's an upgrade, it's an upgrade. If it's not an upgrade, you're going to have a lot of problems. So if you're not getting something better than you had before, you got a lot of problems. Um, if you're able to identify the features and benefits of your new upgrade, you're a lot, you're a lot better off doing it that way. Um, so I think that's another one of those areas where you got to take a chest x-ray and look at yourself and say, you know, what am I doing for my clients? What am I doing for my employees? What am I doing for my processes here by switching the system? I think, you know, right on those lines is, is you know, I guess a, an argument on the, the, the buy side is when you're, when you are making those transitions or asking your clients to make those transitions, right, on a, on a, on a buy side, there are going to be clients who have made that journey uh, already, right, that you can be put in touch to and say, hey, we're moving from XYZ to ABC. What do we need to be aware of? What are the pain points? What are, uh, you know, can you put me in touch with somebody who can, can reassure me that the world will not end when I, when I pull the trigger and sign this contract, that kind of thing. You know, and again, it's this, this kind of time to get up and moving. People can say, hey, there's a support team, there's these resources, there's these you know, people that can help walk you through that and, and, and help you with that. Help you frame it as an upgrade, right? Yeah, and it usually is. I mean, every time I've seen one of these situations, and usually it's on the M&A side, it's usually an upgrade. Um, I recently helped a company sell to another company towards the end of last year, and they had built their own system. It was a small business, um, but they built their own system and they thought that their clients were in love with the system and it would be a big problem and this and that. Well, uh, the system they upgraded to, which also happens to be your system, um, just had, I mean, thousands of more features than, than their system could even thought of having. Um, and it was truly an upgrade. I think that if uh, an acquirer is more capital, more well capitalized than the company that they're buying, they're, you know, by definition going to have probably a better slicker system in place that you can, you know, strive to upgrade to. Yeah. And then I, I like to, um, you know, but before we move on, I, I, I think of these things in three different ways, specifically to processes mapping over um, or, or, you know, custom features when you move from one to the other, uh, you can accommodate, you can look for a way to make it work, right? Yes, we can do that. And you just have to make tweaks either to internal processes or to the technology of the software. Maybe it's an enhancement request if, if you're on a, if you're on a buy platform. Um, but that's the, yes, we can model negotiate. Maybe you don't want to do it, either the process or the cost, and you kind of try and find a middle ground, maybe use price as a weapon. Client says, oh, that'd be nice to have, but you know what? I don't want to pay two extra dollars per person. Don't worry about it. And then you're not the bad guy, right? You gave them a choice. They didn't take it, but it's okay. You dodged a bullet. The third is impose. It's like, this is just how it's going to be. Um, and to Jason's comment, if it is something better, then it's okay. Let's, you know, retrain our users, et cetera, show them the features and benefits of why we're imposing. But if it's not, like he said, yeah, then, then, then you got some, some spilled milk to, uh, to clean up there. 
other things, right? We had a half dozen good examples. Uh, this is more, again, the identity. Um, Jason talked about the, the mind share. Um, product roadmap, Scott kind of hit on that. And, and Jason, right, move me along with the questions. You're looking at them. I don't, I don't see them. We have uh, one more we got like slide. Six or, seven, six or seven answers, so. Got it. We have, we have kind of one or two more quick slides for us um, after this. Uh, product roadmap. That's really interesting because I think a lot of times if you're on a, if you're on a buy platform, you're kind of like, well, if I just had my own platform, I could do it um, because it's me, it's my company, I could control it. But Jason, we see inside of enough shops to know that just because you do it yourself doesn't mean you can do it right away. Exactly. I mean, again, let's say that you want to come out with your new feature set for the next quarter, but now you have, you know, you got three .NET developers and you need 10 and you can't hire them. You know, that's, that's where the, some of those things come into play. I think you're, you, you're usually trading one set of problems for another. Not to say that those problems aren't easier on one side or the other, um, but people think that, hey, I'm going to build my own system, so I'm never going to have any of the issues that I have with off-the-shelf systems anymore. It couldn't be further from the truth. I, I like how you said that because um, I had that thought a couple slides ago and I, you know, I, I, I forgot. Um, but kind of for everyone listening here, whether you are on your own proprietary system or you are buying from one of the seven or eight off-the-shelf partners in our space, I promise you, everybody on this call has things they love about their system. Everybody has things that they hate about their system. And that will never not exist. You'll never not have that tug of war, no matter, no matter what, what choice you make. Yep. Scott, how much does that kind of surprise you to hear that? That, that um, you know, in our ecosystem, everybody loves it and everybody hates it and everybody thinks <laughs> the grass is greener. No, I mean, that, that, that's gospel truth, right? I mean, and, and I'll, I'll be the first to say, right? I mean, I think TileWorks is a fantastic system. I'm not, uh, I am totally biased in saying that, uh, but I'll be the first to admit that, yeah, there, I mean, there's rough edges and there's problems. There's things that we'd like to fix. Um, like Jason said, right? People come to us, a lot of those, those uh, ribbons that you talked about, right? A lot of those are great ideas and we would like to implement lots of those. But when you have, uh you know, lots of competing things, you can't, you know, your bucket holds so much water. And in order to put more water in, some's going to slosh out, right? I mean, that's just the physics of it. And, uh, and we work on expanding the bucket and compressing the water or whatever, but, uh, you know, that, that's just a real challenge of it. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, the sponge is full. Um, yep. And that's where I think Mindshare and, and your, com your, your competition kind of blends together. Um, yes. Well, my great idea that helps me either serve better or profit more or close a deal. Will that, when the rollout gets released, be available to my competitor? Sure. But you know what? Same thing's going to happen to you. And I, I believe the world is a very, very big place. So should we worry about those things in our business? Yeah. When do we worry about it? When we have solved just about every other problem. In, in our business. I, I, I personally don't believe, and again, we can argue and we are in the 50 minutes we've been together. There are pros and cons on both sides. Let me, um, let me give you one, one important yeah, point yeah. that I really forgot to make. Um, the mind share is important as it is, because it's, you know, again, one of the number one drivers, I think, for, for buying. But if the platform doesn't allow for that mind share and isn't open to that mind share, yeah, good point. then it's, wor it's worthless. Um, you know, we didn't have that with our platform. They, they, they didn't let one user talk to another and it, we knew who they were. So we talked to them anyways, but there was no form for that. Um, you know, it, you mentioned earlier that what if you have some new way that can make your company that much more profitable or a new client that wants to come out, but you need to be able to do this. Like if I'm on Tazworks, I mean, I would want the ability to talk to some other Tazworks users and say, here's what my client wants to do. How do you do it? And maybe there's a different way of doing it that I'm not thinking about. But if that form isn't available to you, then that whole concept is kind of out the window because you don't get that mind share. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a good point. And you know, back where I was a, a second ago, you know, if if I get what I want and I'm on a platform, and even if my competitor like that's not going to hurt me as a business. Go run the yep. best the best business you can. Okay. Um, all right. So. Where does it matter? Everybody's favorite topic for the last six months or so, M&A activity. 
Um, and that was, that was the first question. It was the only question that I saw in the Q and a, um, when, when I looked at the, at the top, but, um, it, yeah, it's a, does it, it matter? Does it make you more attractive? Does it make you more attractive? Um, well, I could tell you that buying a system makes you more attractive and building a system can make you more attractive. It just depends on who the acquirer is. Um, that's really, I have to say about that. Yeah. What, what, what do you think? What do you, what do you see? You know, Scott, is that, is that kind of chatter that your, your client base uh, that you hear or things that, that, you know, your users are thinking about? They are. I mean, we, we hear questions about that and some concerns about, hey, you know, kind of, again, this idea of um, we're kind of beholden to a, a, a platform that we don't control or that we don't own. Uh, and there can be some concern with that. Um, again, it, it really kind of comes down to what's the purpose, right? The, if somebody's looking to buy you, what are they looking to do? Are they buying you essentially for your book of business where they don't care what it's on because they've got some other plan? Is it, hey, we're going to roll up a bunch of uh, CRAs that are all on a common platform or put them on a common platform, right? From that standpoint, if you if you're on a uh, if you if you're on a buy a buy platform, then it makes it easy because it's like, hey, I can buy these other CRAs and roll it all up, and the end users and all the CRAs are all on the same platform, so they know how it works, right? A URL might change, but they understand everything else, and, and we don't have to tweak with processes or other things. So it really kind of comes down to you know what's that that MA strategy and what are they hoping to do. Um, but, but people worry about it. They're, you know, it, it comes up as a question for sure. Kevin, we've got, uh, about eight minutes and seven questions. You want to just jump into the questions? Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll give, um, kind of a thought on something that I had asked you a minute ago and, and you kind of answered it. We're talking about rollups, right? A minute ago, I was like, Hey, do we kind of see a correlation between taking an investment in your company and the desire to just go build your own system? And now that we talk about it and I see this on paper in front of us, it's like, well, you and I are having just as many conversations about people taking investments because they want to consolidate um, CRAs on a particular platform. Yeah. So again, chest x-ray. Love how you said it, Scott. Yeah, let's get into some questions. All right. So the first question is, what's the largest revenue a CRA is on your platform? And I don't, I don't know if Brian can, or, or Scott can answer that directly, but I would tell you that I know of between all the platforms, there was a $35 million company on one of them. Um, I'm not sure if you're able to share what the largest is on, on your platform. Yeah, I don't, I honestly don't have it at my fingertips and yeah. they'll probably yell at me if I disclose no, that anyway. So we'll... I can answer it. And I would tell you that I know of several, you know, major players in the CRA space that have, have grown their business and maintained and stayed on a, a, a platform like that. And, and, um, and we talked, and we talked about this. I'll, I'll give a quick thought on that. Um, we kind of thought that it maybe it tops out around 50, Jason. And, and, I, and I would say that uh, personally, I think the runway is still there. It's not like there's a magic number where you need to go build your own system in order to succeed as a company. I think there becomes a time as a, as a business owner and leader where you're just tired of, of a provider who you know won't do everything you want whenever you want it. So I well, think it's probably becomes- more mental. I think it also becomes at a certain at a certain <laughs> revenue level a operating expense versus a capitalized yeah. expense conversation, and you know what's better, what's best for the company at that point too. Um, so the next question was new technology versus old. Can a CRA with their own platform or even the top platform providers compete with AI machine learning technology solutions? And I mean, the answer is anybody can compete with AI or machine learning tech solutions as long as they're thinking about those things too. Um, you know, I, I would make the argument that with more mind share, you've got better, you've got the better ability to make better AI and better machine learning. And, and what, what if I can jump in real quick, the other thing there is to think about is if you're building your own, right, there's a lot of tech debt, technology debt that goes into that roadmap, right? It's upgrading, you know, I'm, I'm running on this version of, of an operating system and it runs out of support. I need to upgrade it or software versions update, right? And that, again, that's stuff that nobody wants to hear about that you're up, updating your software versions, but it takes work and it takes time. And if you don't do that, then you're going to wind up on a system that's insecure and outdated and can't do what you want it to do to, you know, implement the AI or machine learning or new features and widgets. Yeah. Uh, and so if you're going to, if you're going to build, you got to make sure you're committed to keeping that thing current and, and that allows you to attract current uh, developers as well, right? Because nobody wants to come and work on some old crufty, th- you know, code that nobody uses or likes anymore. Right. It's not sexy, uh, Scott. Not exactly. Sexy. Yeah. 
somebody asked uh, about the strategy um, and having multiple platforms. Is that a good solution? And uh, I would just say for a lot of reasons, having multiple platforms is never a good idea. Um, if everyone wants to add the color to that, I just, uh, I don't know. I know of a couple of companies that have had to do it through M&A and their entire uh, focus was getting off of multiple platforms. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's, that's a really good example, Jason. I, I would say that I tend to agree with you, but it doesn't suck as much as you think it might in individual circumstances. So, you know, where does it, where does it matter? Where, where is it a good idea? Where is it a bad idea? You know, Hey, if the only way I'm going to get these enterprise level clients, and, and I'm not saying do this for a hundred thousand dollar client saying do it for a million dollar client. If the only way I can do it is to go get another system and train people on it and staff it and et cetera. It's the only way I'm going to get the million dollar system because that's where the technology and the ATS hooks up, fine. Um, but the idea of I have half of my client base, equal revenue distributions, hundreds of clients on this system, hundreds of clients on that system. Yeah, the, Jason and I are on the same page. That, that's, a, that's awful. Uh, somebody asked as industry experts, what other, what others do you see continuing to grow in this space? Uh, besides, uh, Taz being the premium platform. Uh, I, I think it's the same players. I don't know of any new ones that have emerged. Um, it's the same players that have been around for a while. Um, the next that's question a, is, that's, that's a, that's a really good question. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Scott, what do you typically see for a transition timeline from one platform to another? Let's say with a thousand clients. That's awesome. You know, it varies a bit, but we, we see it happen relatively quickly, right? People get on and we've got, at least, you know, with our platform, we have a lot of tools to help with that onboarding and supporting and training uh, to get clients on there. It's a pretty, you know, self-explanatory system. Uh, and so we can see that happen, you know, in the order of, of, of weeks or a few months to kind of get people up and up and running and transitioned over. But again, it really kind of depends on the CRA and how committed they are to, to you know, ripping off that bandaid. I, um, um, and, 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 and by the way, the, the last question about, hey, are there new platforms? And I was like, that's an awesome question. Well, just because the answer is, yeah, it's pretty much the same players. Still an awesome question. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would say, so for somebody looking to transition from a platform, I'm a huge fan of pilots. I'm a huge fan, not airlines, right? Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of let's try, let's feel small, let's learn, right? So if you're looking to do a transition, you know, let's not try and accomplish this in a month. Let's accomplish this in a quarter or, or even longer and really take small chunks um, or clients that you know are not going to fire you if things are bumpy. So that's really a great opportunity to engage with your client base, make them part of the solution. And, you know, that first 10 or 15% of client base or revenue, um, let's use them as your, your, your training grounds. So the last question is all things being equal, what is the cost benefit of build versus Taz versus others? And I would answer it with this. We wrote an ebook. We'll be releasing it <laughs> next soon, week. Yep, next next week. week. And uh, and that ebook will answer hopefully most of those questions that you have. So we post Here it information is. about that soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Scott, final thoughts before we, we wrap up. You know, I think, you know, we, we, we've talked all around uh, build versus buy clearly. Um, I think there's opportunities to make really good decisions for both. It's just be really deliberate and in what you do, kind of like you said, being on two platforms, if it just happens that way and you know, we're building because it seemed like the thing to do at the time, that's probably not a recipe for success. Or if it's like, yeah, we just bought something because we had nothing better to do, right? I mean, be, be deliberate and thoughtful and in, in, in what you're doing and planning and, and what you're trying to accomplish. And I think that really helps drive the decision. Yeah, Jason, final thoughts before I wrap us up? Uh, again, it's it's the biggest decision that you're going to make as as a CRA. Um, it's a it's a very large business decision because it operates every aspect of your business, and it's something that I think it's a journey you need to go on, and then I think it's a journey you need to be on every couple of years. Yeah, I I, I think well said. Like we said at the beginning, we did it every every two to three years. Um, like Jason said a minute ago, the ebook will be released next week. We'll make sure everyone attending. Uh, gets a copy of it. Uh, this webinar, I will convert to audio and post on the Background Check Radio podcast within the next couple of days. I'll edit out all the jokes that uh, Jason and I made at each other's expense before we turn the webinar on. Although maybe someday that just becomes its own podcast. You know, it's just a blooper reel. 
uh, of us. Um, what's next for iCubed uh, in early April with Ed Hall, the CEO of Qualification Check, Kirsten Bogus and NetForce Global, and Andy Hellman. We're doing a podcast on, well, a webinar on global products, um, where the opportunities are in the marketplace. That landscape is shifting significantly, both in terms of business opportunity for us, but also a number of better, faster, easier, cheaper solutions that are out there in the space. Um, and then for attendees who are going to the PBSA show, um, we're sponsoring a happy hour. Come hang out with us after you register, before the general session starts, grab some drinks at the bar with us. It's Master Sunday. Um, so we're just gonna be hanging out there for a few hours from two to five that Sunday. Um, that said, thanks everybody for giving us an hour of your life and we'll see you again soon. Thanks everyone. Take care.